Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 35 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. My guest today is one of the longest tenured and, dare I say, most underappreciated and underrated wrestlers on the ROH roster. He is a member of the foundation, Rhett Titus. Rhett, welcome to the show. Thank you for those kind uh, words, Kevin, and it's a pleasure to be here on the ROH Strong Podcast. Oh, no, hey, I wrote it up just like you told me and read it just like you told me to. <laughs> well, let's uh, start off with uh, the bubble experience. What was that like for you, being inside the bubble for the TV tapings? Man, uh, it was definitely a new a new experience to get used to, uh, but I uh, I managed you know, going every day with, you know, the baby and all that, and, you know, running around crazy at home. It's actually kind of relaxing being in the bubble because, you know, you have really uh, nobody to answer to or, you know, you're just hanging out. And uh, but the one thing that was like, oh, my gosh, you know, what am I going to do is is uh, the workouts, you know, because we weren't allowed to use the gym. I was going to ask so, you about that. So, um yeah, so basically I brought my dumbbells, I brought my kettlebells, I brought a bunch of bands, and uh, I fat, had a few mishaps during the bubble as far as working out, you know. Uh, I tried doing the pull-up bar on the bathroom uh, the bathroom wall there, you know. You, you have that perfect pull-up if you've ever seen that. You hang it on the, the door frame. Okay. Took a nice flat back bump right on the uh, bathroom floor, so that was a good way to wake up in the morning uh, i got hit in the eyes with uh, some of my bands but uh i made it through and uh you know the bubble it's uh it's very uh it's very uh good to know that ring of honor is doing everything they can to possibly take care of us during the situation and keep new product coming out for all the fans as well absolutely wow there's mishaps there it's uh sounds like you're you were safer in the ring than you were in your uh, hotel room <laughs> yeah yeah that's what that's what i was saying i was like i'm not even gonna make it to the shows man i'm, I'm gonna get hurt up here in the hotel room <laughs> well let's let's get right into it because you've been in the news lately um you were revealed as the man under that octopus mask who we knew wasn't Jonathan Gresham because he was standing right next to you. So uh, you were revealed as that guy, as uh, the fourth member of the foundation. You're in there along with uh, Gresham, Jay Lethal, Tracy Williams. What are your thoughts about being part of this group? I mean, if you go back into the history of Rhett Titus throughout Ring of Honor, um, I always wanted to bring Ring of Honor back to its roots, whether it be when I joined Scum to destroy and rebuild the whole entire company or, you know, to uh, the cabinet trying to make wrestling great again and bring it back to the, uh, the golden style of Ring of Honor. But now uh, I feel like I actually have the people who are like-minded and are going for the same reasons that I'm going to, to purify Ring of Honor and actually restore honor the code of honor because you know it's something that's uh, been taken for granted over the past few years you know when 
when I uh, first went to the first Ring of Honor show ever back February 23rd, 2002, that was something that I was like, wow, this is, this is something else right here. They shake hands before and after the match. There's winners, there's losers. You know, nobody's getting involved in the matches. Nobody's cheating. This is all honorable and it's a sport. You know, this isn't sports entertainment or something like that. We treat this as a sport. We train for it like a sport and we want the rules to be followed like a sport. So the, the best thing to have is, you know, the respect uh, from your peers. And when your peers are Jay Lethal, John Gresham, and Tracy Williams, and you have their respect to bring you into the group, it's, it's very flattering um, because, honestly, I, you know, I couldn't have seen this coming from a mile away. You know, uh, it was very, uh, very, uh, very cool thing to uh, be asked to join up with the foundation. Yeah, for sure. I could imagine. Um, you had a match with Gresham back in, uh, it was a Future of Honor show uh, that we did in conjunction with uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling. And that was when you were the MCW champion. And I know that was one of your favorite matches because when we did the um, day by day, we did the special uh, when we were when we were not taping live shows and we were kind of doing clip shows. Um, you used that. That was one of your favorite matches, and that's one that we we ran that on that episode. Um, can you talk about what that match was like uh, working with Gresham? Yeah, man, not many people can wrestle like Jonathan Gresham. Uh, he is uh, he's in a class of his own. Uh, outstanding, outstanding wrestler. Um, I guess kind of the seeds for all this were planted a few years back, probably like 2017 or 2016, something like that. You know, I would always, you know, talk with Gresham, you know, you know, joke around and that sort of thing. But one day he pulled me aside and he was like, hey, uh, you know, uh, what what do you think about your current status in Ring of Honor? And I was like, well, you know, obviously I, I would always want more, but, you know, I'm happy to be here and that sort of thing. And he was like, man, I look at you and I see one of the hardest working people here. You know, uh, all your matches are always great. And, you know, you don't get the respect you deserve. I see you. I see a, a Ring of Honor world champion status. And I was I was flattered that he would, you know, thought about me that way. And it had me looking at things a, a, a little bit differently, you know. And I was like, but I was just kind of stuck in a rut that it was hard hard to get out of. And um, until, you know, Kenny King kind of forced it out of me. But the thing with that match with Gresham is, when he heard that I won the uh, MCW Heavyweight Championship, he texted me right away and he's like, man, that's so cool. It's one of the coolest things MCW's done in a while. Uh, we got to work something out to where I get a uh, shot at the championship. And I was like, yeah, you know, please, I would love to. And um, sure enough, final battle weekend last year, uh, Future of Honor was the following day. All the uh, stars aligned and, you know, we were able to make that match happen. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a very cool match for me because my uh, wife and my uh, newborn son were there that weekend. And um, like I said, Jonathan Gresham's a class of his own. And we had an amazing match. Uh, you know, if you guys saw it on Ring of Honor TV over the summer or, you know, on the Honor Club, uh, if you didn't, you should go back and watch it. I, I, can't, even, I can't even find the words to talk about what a, a class wrestler that guy is. Yeah, that's really cool, too, that he's the – which I didn't know this story. I didn't know that he's the one that actually asked for that match. So the fact that Gresham wanted to work with you uh, on that MCW show is uh, – man, that's certainly a compliment. 
And I also would recommend uh, anybody who uh, wants to see a great wrestling match, go back and, and watch that one. It's, uh, you know, you can find it on Honor Club. Um, Jonathan Gresham challenging for the MCW championship against uh, Rhett Titus. Great match. Just do me a favor, everybody. I would watch it on mute because the, uh, the commentary probably <laughs> a little bit to be desired because uh, it was not the normal A-team. Stop! You got to put yourself over a little bit more than that. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was fun, man. That was fun doing uh, doing some commentary for Future of Honor, and it was really it was great to call that match too because I felt like I was watching something special. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's good stuff. Thank you. You mentioned though, um, you know, Gresham came to you at one point and said, you know, are you happy with where you're at, or don't you want more? Because he sees more in you. And I think Gresham really, you know, not alone in that, looking at you and thinking, man, you should be doing a little bit more uh, at various times in your career. You, you've had, you know, peaks and valleys. During the valleys, were you ever, did you ever get frustrated? I mean, were you, were you like, okay, well, I'm just happy to have a spot in Ring of Honor? Or was it like, man, I'm, I don't know what's going on here. Why am I not doing more? What, what was your frustration level it's funny that uh, you use the term peaks and valleys because my, my trainer, Austin Aries, told me from the get-go, you know, this wrestling business, there's going to be a lot of peaks, but there's going to be a lot of valleys. You've got to be able to survive the valleys and make the most of the peaks when you can. And uh, it's something that I always, you know, that stuck out in my mind throughout all the years that I wrestled. And, you know, when I met my wife, you know, she was – going through some stuff and like I would always tell her hey it's all about the peaks and the valleys you know and so it was something that <laughs> it's just funny that you use that term but man like uh you know things got uh, a little rough there for for a little while you know uh you know from winning the ring of honor world tag team championship uh at best in the world uh 2000 2012 until Best in the World 2013 when I was exiled out of the company. You know, it was a lot changed in that year for me. And it was just like, man, like what happened? You know, uh, last year I left, you know, Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Two weeks later, something I've been working for years for, Kenny King leaves and I get stripped of the tag titles. You know, uh, there was a lot of moments like that where, you know, it was very disheartening. But I just always kept working because, uh, you know, something, something, it's a funny story because I always just wanted to be the hardest worker in the room because when I was younger, I was walking down the stairs and I heard my mom talking about me on the phone to somebody else. And I heard her say that she was, she went to a psychic and the psychic um, said that, you know, uh, your son, um, your son, Rhett, he's going to be a very successful uh, sports athlete of some sort. We don't know what, I can't really picture what sport that is or, but he's going to be doing something and he's going to be very happy doing it. And I, and I heard her say that on the phone. And the next thing she said was, um, yeah, but the psychic told me not to mention it to him because then he's going to think that everything's going to come to life easy and uh, he's not going to work hard. And I like walked into the room and my mom's like, oh my gosh, did you hear that? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, um, and I was like, oh, pumped up. Like, yeah, I'm going to be a wrestler. Yeah, that, <laughs> hell yeah, yeah, I knew it, you know? And uh, that always just kind of, you know, stuck in the back of my head to, to uh, 
work hard and just keep working as, as hard as possible. They always, always try to be the hardest worker in the room. And there was a point where, you know, I was just like, man, like, I don't feel like I'm working hard enough. I need to work harder, you know? So I started um, going to the gym twice a, day, twice a day instead of just going to the gym once a day, you know, and working out harder, lifting twice, doing cardio, and just trying to get myself into the best shape possible because uh, I always live by the motto, uh, you don't gotta, I don't got to get ready because I stay ready. So you never know when the opportunity is going to arise. And I didn't know an opportunity with a foundation was going to arise either, but I'm more than ready for it. Yeah, well, all that hard work, the patience, and, uh, and everything else obviously paid off for you. Uh, that's a cool story, though, about the psychic. I, and I, thought, I thought they were all gimmicks, but, man, this one, she, she knew. I guess she was, she was the real deal. Yeah, yeah. I, the other things she said, she's like, I see you having um, four kids. And my mom was like, uh, I only have three kids. You know, she's like, oh, well, there's there's a fourth baby there. And my mom had her tubes tied and, you know, that sort of thing. So she's like, what the hell? Like, And then uh, lo and behold, uh, when at the age of 16, when I told my mom I was going to be a dad, you know, she was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> you know, so... Uh, so yeah, that's, I guess where the fourth baby came from. Wow. Was this, this wasn't Miss Cleo, was it? <laughs> I don't know who it was, but it was definitely somebody who was good at their job and worth the money. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know in your career right now, you know, we've talked about, um, how long you, I mean, you've been in Ring of Honor since 2006, so 14 years. And I know that right now you're trying to sort of rewrite the chapters of your career and it starts with delirious so and you know for those who don't know you will be facing delirious on uh, ring of honor television this coming weekend check your local listings on rohwrestling.com going against delirious uh and we'll just talk about this this full circle thing and, and sort of rewriting the chapters of your career and and the part delirious has played i guess in uh, certainly the early stages of your career yeah uh you know, Delirious was somebody who, uh, who you know, was very instrumental in the early parts of my career because, uh, you know, he took over the Ring of Honor Training Academy in, I want to say, 2008. So, uh, you know, I got to train with him a lot. And um, we even had a short tag team where we wrestled uh, Silas Young and Sugarfoot, Alex Payne. And we were successful in that tag team. But like uh, with most things, you know, sometimes a girl comes in the way and, you know, I was trying to uh, win over the affection of a Daisy Hayes that he was uh, also trying to win over the affection of. But he didn't really know how to come out and say it. I was a little bit more blunt with how I, I put things. <laughs> and um, we, uh, we kind of, you know, had a little falling out and things got a little violent there. Uh, Delirious was actually the first person to ever bloody me. And I was a bloody mess. I was in the hotel room trying to stop this bleeding, like uh, with Grizzly Redwood and Pelly Primo trying to super glue my head back together. Um, but um, yeah, and it scarred me up uh, pretty good. And another thing about it is I'm actually 0-4 against Delirious. And uh you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where <sighs> I beat him in some tag matches and that sort of thing. But when it came down to doing it one-on-one -on -one against Delirious, I just was never able to get the job done. And 
that's another thing that I'm looking to rectify. That is exactly what I plan on doing. You know, you mentioned that a girl came between the two of you. Isn't, isn't that always the way? Isn't that it the always way? is most always issues is. between the, between the fellows? Yeah. It's how, uh, how people get to your heart, you know, uh, because, you know, it's how, uh, Kenny King, uh, lit that fire underneath me as well because you know my wife was pregnant in the front row at one show and he berated me and uh ridiculed me in front of my pregnant wife and uh you know kenny king um you know he he did a lot of things along the way you know as i mentioned before he left while we were tire team champions and he um he just kind of got up and left and went and joined the bachelor cast right in the middle of a feud with uh, search and destroy and all those things I, I was able to look past and be like, Hey, I understand, you know, Kenny's got to do what's best for Kenny, you know, but that's, that's something I could never really uh, get behind is trying to embarrass me in front of my wife and my, my unborn child and in front of the TV audience like he did. So that's something that I can never forgive. Let me ask you about a more pleasant subject. Uh, you're going to be part of history coming up at final battle. You are booked in the first ever pure rules tag team match teaming with Tracy Williams against Fred Yehi and Wheeler Yuta. Uh, talk about that. Um, obviously you're part of the foundation now, which is, as you said, trying to restore honor. Uh, it's built on the foundation of pure wrestling now you're going to compete in the first ever Pure Rules tag match. So first of all, your feelings on that. And uh, second of all, are you familiar at all with, uh, with Yehi and Yuta, other than having seen them in the Pure tournament? Have you ever come across them in your, in your travel? Because I know you've, you've done your uh, share of independent wrestling dates over the years as well. Yeah, so, um, man, it's uh, no pun intended, but it's truly an honor to be in the first Pure Rules tag match. Um, this is something that will, you know, everybody will look back on and be like, hey, that was the first one right there. You know, this will go down in the history books, you know. Um, I was also in the first Honor Rumble, too, ever. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not my first time being in a first for Ring of Honor. So I hope that this goes on to be a reoccurring thing like the Honor Rumble has uh, gone on to be. And uh, I, uh, it's different rules. You know, I'm a tag team specialist. And uh, it's one of those things where it's like, man, this is uh, a little bit different for a tag team match, but it's putting the rules back into tag team wrestling. You know, there's, uh, there's no law and order amongst tag team wrestling that you see on TV these days. You know, guys come in, guys go out guys two in at a time for a minute for two minutes you know it's like what the hell's going on here like there's going to be hand-to-hand tags you must be holding the the tag rope um, both feet must be on the apron you can't have one foot already in the ring um, there's going to be three rope breaks there's only going to be one breakup of a pin for the tag team so the, this is the type of wrestling that I always foresaw myself doing and this is exactly where I want to be. As far as Fred Yehi and Wheeler Yuta go, um, I was I was a little familiar with them before the uh, Pure Tournament. Not not a whole lot, you know. I've come across them a little bit here and there. I know they're you know two hardworking guys. And uh, then I saw the Pure Tournament and both of them in there, and I was really really impressed. Um, 
Wheeler hung in there with Jonathan Gresham. Like, uh, he almost had him beat a few times, which is impressive to say the least. And Fred Yehi beat Silas Young. You know, he went and uh, he only lost to Tracy Williams, but he didn't lose to Tracy Williams by much. He almost had Tracy Williams uh, done for as well. So both guys are uh, two uh, top caliber athletes that, you know, just because Ring of Honor fans may have not have seen them uh, a lot on their TV, they're, they're nobody to take lightly. Absolutely. I think both guys, to your point, really proved themselves in the uh, pure tournament and, uh, and certainly are worthy of more matches in Ring of Honor. And that's why they've, they've got this spot at final battle. And they're going yeah. to make, make history uh, along with, with you and Tracy. So I know as, as an old, or I should say an older fan myself, I love the idea of tag matches having some actual rules. Yeah. Uh, you know, this reminds me of Matt, you know, when I was a kid, when you had the tag ropes and, you know, you had to tag, like you said, hand to hand. And, you know, I mean, we've had people slapping each other on the back to get in or, you know, somebody reaches out with their foot and tags the guy's hand. Like yeah. that was never permitted back in the day, back when, you know, when I was growing up, they used to call them Australian rules tag team. Uh-huh. I guess maybe the maybe tag matches originated in Australia. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, this is this is really cool. I think to see uh, some Law and Order back in. You can't break up the pins more than once, which is I think that's a throwback to certain territories would have one save allowed, and you'd be disqualified on the second save. So, yeah, I think you know it's just a natural extension of the pure the pure division. If we're going to have pure singles matches, why not have pure tag team matches? So. Yeah, I think this is going to be, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to all the matches at Final Battle, but certainly looking forward to a first time ever Pure Rules tag match. Because how many times can you say in wrestling that it's never been done before, first time ever? And, and we can say that with this match, and you're a part of it. So that's cool stuff. Yeah, the, uh, there's no, um, no other Pure Rules tag match out there. So <laughs> nothing to watch to try to uh, get a strategy for. It's... Uh, It's all going to happen in the ring at final battle. Absolutely. That's good stuff. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. We have much more to talk about with Rhett Titus right after this. Friday, December 18th at 9 p.m. Ring of Honor Wrestling presents Final Battle on Pay-Per-View. After months of darkness, a new era of honor has risen from the ashes. See ROH athletes such as the new pure champion Jonathan Gresham, the Briscoe Brothers, Plus, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and many more. Find out why honor has always been real. Friday, December 18th at 9 p.m. It's Final Battle on Pay-Per-View. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Brett Titus. <laughs> oh, you firing yourself up there. <laughs> uh, let's go back to, like, the very beginning here. Uh, Oof. You were a wrestling fan, I know, at a very, very young age, correct? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't remember a time where I wasn't a fan of wrestling. My earliest memories from my life revolve around wrestling. Uh, I mean, I think uh, looking back, the furthest I can remember back was, you know, uh, playing with my Ninja Turtle action figures, pretending that they were Ric Flair and Sting and putting the figure four leg lock on uh, one of the rest on one of the uh, Ninja Turtles and his leg falling off and crying. And then Santa brought me uh, wrestling figures for Christmas that year. And Oh my gosh. That's, and then after that point, it was all, 
all I was doing is wrestling figures and watching wrestling. And I have distinct memories of watching WrestleMania 7 and Sergeant Slaughter burying Hulk Hogan under the flag and him all bloody. And I'm just sitting there crying like a baby. And, you know, and then Hulk Hogan kicks out and fires up. And, oh, my gosh, you know, like, oh, man, very, very good memories as a child uh, of wrestling. And uh, even uh, even at like the age of six, uh, I remember this, 1994, um, my uh, brother-in-law was like, hey, uh, there's, a, there's a show tomorrow night. You want to go? I was like, yeah, sure. And uh, it just happened to be uh, ECW uh, November to remember 94. And, you know, uh, I was at the ECW arena at six years old, which, uh, which is pretty crazy to say the least, you know. And then I got to go back to a lot of ECW shows and, and then eventually Ring of Honor shows as well. The ECW arena for an ECW show at six. Yeah, yeah. That it was, was not necessarily uh, family-friendly entertainment back in the day. No, no. I remember I remember uh, the coolest thing ever because, like, you know, I was still getting, like, acquainted to it. I didn't really realize that it was, like, this hardcore ex- extreme wrestling yet, you know, uh, because there was a lot of guys that I had seen on TV before. But I remember I was, like, uh, I was in line waiting to get into the show and um, – the night before on TV, they said, hey, uh, Steve Austin isn't going to be able to make the show tomorrow night to be Shane Douglas's partner. So there's going to be a mystery. And Sherry Martell, who was managing Shane Douglas at the time, rolled up to the building and she had somebody under a black blanket and he walked into the building. And then I was like, oh, oh my gosh, who is that? so cool. Who is that? You know? And then they did the promo and she's like, just because I don't have the Hollywood blonde Steve Austin doesn't mean I don't have a Hollywood blonde. And she took the the blanket off, and it was Brian Pillman, and they wrestled uh, Ron Simmons and Two Cold Scorpio that night. I remember Ron Simmons uh, gave Brian Pillman a uh, a spinebuster, and it was like Brian Pillman like locked eyes with me, and he said, "Oh," <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh," you know, like because you know you had never seen wrestlers curse at that point, you know. So I was, like, "What the hell," you know. But, but I didn't tell my parents about that, you know. Well, at six years old, I hope you weren't saying, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? What the heck? What the heck? Well, that's like, the tag match is great, though. That's like an old, uh, it's like a WCW reunion tag match right there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they, I guess at that time, ECW was able to use some of the WCW guys. I don't know the exact, uh, you know, um, the exact uh, deal they had worked out, but something along those lines. But, and also that same year, I, uh, my uh, local, um, like I went to a uh, local uh, video store, you know, cause kids these days, they don't know about going to the video store and renting, renting uh, wrestling videos. But, and the guy working there was like, Oh, you like wrestling? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I love wrestling. He's like, Oh, there's a show coming up. You, there's a doink lookalike contest. And I was like, a doink lookalike contest. And at the age of six, I was like, oh, man, like, this can be my big break. Like, this can get me in. So I was like, mom, you got to make me this doink costume. You know, this is what I got to look like. I got to win this thing because this can be my, be my big break. And um, she was like, all right. And my mom with a hot glue gun made me the best looking doink costume that, you, you, you know, you'd ever see, <laughs> you know. And 
uh, sure enough, won the, the contest. Doink brought me in the ring and put me on his shoulder. And I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. And I thought, like, you know, we were going to be going on the road after that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Doink went to the next town, and I was uh, stuck going back to second grade. Yeah. <laughs> this was uh... – and then uh, you probably found out later there's like 15 or 20 doinks on the independent scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know yeah which, exactly. Do you know who was doink at that point? Do you know which uh, guy was? I, I don't know, but um, about a month ago, I did a show where Ray Apollo was on it and he was doing the doink gimmick. And uh, I actually had the picture on my phone and I, I wanted to go up to him and be like, hey man, is this you? <laughs> but I, uh, I, you know, I didn't want to bother him with the whole social distancing and stuff yeah. like that. But maybe at, at a later time, you know? Yeah, well, hey man, that, that's a good story. That is definitely a good story. Um, the era of honor begins. I think you alluded to it earlier. I know you've told the story before, but this was really a life-changing event for you, right? ROH's first show back in 2002? Yeah, it really was uh, because at that time, you know, uh, it was, I was getting into high school and, you know, wrestling after ECW went out of business kind of and WCW went out of business kind of just fell off. You know, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't really anything grabbing your attention and, um, and you know, it wasn't as cool to play with wrestling figures anymore, you know, so – and you know you're in high school you're finding other things to do and all that sort of playing sports and then um then my brother-in-law was like hey uh you want to go to this wrestling show same brother-in-law brought me to the uh to the ecw show and um i was like uh i don't know and he's like he's like uh steve carino and eddie guerrero are gonna be there i was like oh yeah count me in you know because they're they're my two favorites you know so i was like yeah and i just remember you know, going to the website every day, you know, people be announced for the show. And, you know, I had no idea who the fallen angel Christopher Daniels was, or, you know, the American dragon. I was like, Oh, I don't know. This sounds cool. You know? And then uh, I remember going to the show and, you know, uh, the Christopher street connection coming out. And I was like, Oh man, this is like more of the same old stuff. And then the hit squad came out and just absolutely demolished these guys and dropped them on their heads a million times. And I was like, Oh my gosh, their necks are broken. And then by the time Jay Briscoe wrestled amazing red, I was like, Oh my, what am I watching right here? This is, this is how wrestling is supposed to be. This isn't, you know, what you see on TV. This is, these guys are out here treating this like a sport, you know? And by the time the uh, the main event with Christopher Daniels versus Loki versus uh, American Dragon Brian Danielson, I was completely hooked, and I was I was leaving that event like, you know, I always wanted to be a wrestler. From kindergarten, when they asked, "Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up?" I, I want to be a pro wrestler. I'm going to be the Rettmeister. And uh, it was kind of a takeoff on PN News at the time, I guess, but um, <laughs> who was one of my favorites as a kid. But, um, but yeah, I was going to be a pro wrestler. But I don't think if it was for that Ring of Honor show that I went to, the Era of Honor Begins, that I would have actually pursued it. You know, I would have found, you know, something else along the lines. And I wouldn't have actually pursued following – the dream of being a pro wrestler if it wasn't for ring of honor and being at that show that day. Well, before I move on to, to talk more about that, I can't let the PN news <laughs> I can't let that go. of, of 
I mean, look, not, if, if he's out there, uh, you know, yeah. nothing against uh, PN News, but out of all the people that you could pick as your favorite wrestler at that point, I mean, I wouldn't think he would be high on a lot of people's lists. What was it about? Was it just the rapping? That yo, baby, that? yo, baby, yo. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it when he went to the top rope and the music started playing and he hit that big – it was – I don't know. He was pretty cool at the time, you know. Uh, it was something different, you know. I mean, obviously, I was a big Hulk Hogan fan too. Uh, but, yeah, you know, PN News, he was, he, was pretty, he was pretty cool when I was a kid. So, man, this is interesting because there's like uh, – there's two sides to you because you're all about, you know, Ring of Honor and pure wrestling and restoring honor, and yet we hear these stories about Doink the Clown and PN News. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, something yeah, a little bit different, you know. Uh, I, I, You know, there's different flavors of ice cream for everybody. I like to uh, mesh all mine together, you know. You're a paradox. <laughs> yeah, something like that. All right, so – it's, it is very cool, though, that you're at the very first Ring of Honor show and it makes such an impression of you, on you that you, wanna, you really want to be a wrestler and that you end up being in Ring of Honor and not, you know, you, you didn't pass through for a cup of coffee. I mean, you've been here for 14 years and, and really, you know, who's to say what would have happened had you not gone to the show that night? You know, would your, would your life have taken maybe a, a different path? So, um, yeah. That's pretty cool that you can pinpoint back to that particular day and that particular show. Uh, so you, how long after that did you start training uh, at the ROH Dojo? So after that, religiously, I was at, you know, every Murphy, Murphy Rec Center show. I was like, you know, I was like there, you know, the first one, the second one, third one. You know, I was, you know, if you, if you really scour the crowd back in the day, you could probably find me in there somewhere. Um, I'm not going to tell you what matches to look for that I'm actually – that you can see me as a kid, you know, but definitely in there. But um, yeah, uh, so at, I started like looking up like wrestling schools. Like I was, I remember I was looking at uh, the Monster Factory and um, the Wild Samoans Training Center, and I was trying to find someone that could get like a 15 or 16 year old kid in there, and like yeah, it wasn't really happening, you know. And then. Um, ring of honor announced that they were having a school i was like oh my gosh i, I gotta get in there i gotta get gotta, gotta get in there you know and um i remember emailing them and they're like oh sorry you know only gonna be uh, 18 and up and i was like oh my gosh you know so um and then uh and then in 2005 they they opened their enrollment again and i i email could and i would be bothering uh sid at the front table this whole time too. I was like, Oh, come on, man. You got, you got to make an exception. You got to let me in there. <laughs> and he was, he was like, Oh, when the time's right, when the time's right. And then I emailed them one day when I was 17 and they're like, all right, you know, uh, I guess you can uh, come to this tryout. And I went to the tryout uh, and CM Punk and Samoa Joe were holding the tryout to get accepted into the school. You know, it wasn't like a, Hey, the, the tryouts Ring of Honor does nowadays where guys have been wrestling for years and years um, to come there and see what they can do. This is just, hey, can you make it through this tryout? You know, how bad do you want it? And I, I was probably about 230 pounds at that time, you know, and I wasn't, you know, 
in the shape that I am in today, you know, I was just, I was like a guy who would be like, all right, I'm going to be a wrestler. I'm going to go to the gym today, you know, or maybe hit it like four or five times a week. And, you know, not really knowing what I was doing in there, just trying to figure out from all the other old school, you know, weightlifters, just trying to pick apart what they were doing and just try to reenact that. So I didn't really have much experience in like uh, working out, but um, I remember I got there and I just started off from the second I walked in, I opened the door. I was the first person there and Samoa Joe was standing in the doorway with a Singapore cane. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) you know, like, and, and, uh, and you turned around and walked the other way and got back. Yeah. Right. uh, hello mr joe nice to meet you (laughs) yeah but um yeah it was it was 500 squats you know 110 push-ups 100 sit-ups uh 100 walking lunges on the pavement uh you know you had to run around this this river by the school for an hour it was it was vigorous so when uh but like i was i wasn't in the shape to do it but I was, I just wanted it so bad that I wasn't going to give up, you know, no matter what happened. My dad, my dad brought me there and he's like, Hey, you, you can quit. Like, I'm not going to be mad that I wasted this money on this. You can quit. I was like, no, no. <laughs> like I'm, and, and I just did it all. And now I couldn't walk for a week afterwards. Uh, I remember pulling myself to get to class, pulling myself up the stairwell by the, <laughs> cause my legs were just so shot and, but at the end of the uh, trial, uh, I had made it in. And I, I was the only person from that trial to actually make it into the ROH training academy. Really? How many people were there about? Uh, it was about six people. But, uh, you know, they kept dropping like flies. And uh, I just stuck with it. You know, I just hell-bent on uh, making it, you know. So once you get in, who who are your main trainers? So... Right after that, uh, CM Punk got signed to WWE, so he was gone. But then uh, Ring of Honor brought in Austin Aries as the trainer. And, um, he, you know, it was really a uh, really cool guy. Um, still friends with him to this day, you know. And he uh, is very um, – not. he wasn't just like uh, a wrestling trainer either. He would give, you know, good life advice too. And if we ever had any sort of problem, he was always there to talk to about anything, you know. Uh, great guy and he uh he taught me you know all the little you know locking up headlocks all the bumps all that sort of stuff and you know and then later when he became my manager it was like uh the second phase of training with him you know it was like this is on the job training you know like teaming with me and you know uh, six man tag with me and me managing you and telling you what to do and that sort of thing. And which was really cool in itself. But yeah, I, I trained with him for six months before I had my first match and, um, which happened to be on a ring of honor show. And they, uh, nobody was really sure about me. They were like, they're like, Oh, I guess he's ready. You know? Cause you know, I, I remember I just I, – I didn't really get it all right away, you know. And then when my first match happened, it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, oh, all right. Like, now I now I know where to do this stuff and how to do it and how this all 
works. I mean, I obviously I wasn't great in my first match, but the, everybody was like, wow, that went a lot better than we were expecting it to go. So at this time in, in your life, you mentioned this earlier, you became a, a father as a teenager. So you're starting this new, you know, following your dream of becoming a professional wrestler. And at the same time, you know, you're what, 17 years old with, yeah. with a son. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, talk to me about that. I mean, just from a, uh, a time standpoint and uh, just a mental standpoint. I mean, trying to balance, you know, those two things, pursuing your dream with suddenly, you know, you have another human being that you're responsible for and you're, and you're just a kid yourself. Yeah, um, it was one of those things. I, I'll, I'll never forget it because, you know, obviously I was dating my son's mother at the time and um, her dad approached me after, you know, all that, If you know, because she was even younger than me. She was 15. <laughs> I was 16. So I was, uh, but he said, like, listen, like, uh, you know, uh, you guys are going to do this. You know, you got to step up. You know, you got to, you got to, um your little dream of becoming a wrestler you can kiss that goodbye and i was like whoa hey like listen like you know i'm all about taking responsibility of this of this kid and you know working hard but that doesn't mean that my dream has to go away i may have to work a little bit harder than most people but i'm still gonna pursue my dream you know <laughs> there's no telling where it can lead me and yeah and that was kind of the beginning of our falling out, <laughs> you know, but um, it, um, it was one of those things where like, I remember just like that my senior year, I would have to, I was in this like class where like you would, um, you'd go to like three classes and you go to your fourth class. It was like, and then you would go to like work afterwards so literally i would go to class in the morning do like three classes go to work at burger king and then go to work there for a few hours go back to school at the end of school and uh i was on the football team so i'd have football practice and then from football practice go right back to uh work afterwards to finish my shift off so uh you know the hard work just started from that point you know and then by the time uh my son was born my son was born before i ever even had my first match or anything like that you know um and i just always always knew that there was going to be a lot of sleepless nights and i was i was just ready for it you know i i i knew what was coming and i kept in mind what that psychic had said you know because i could you know take the try to go an easy way or easy route or something like that. But no, nah, I was just going to work harder than anybody else. And um not going to lie, you know, there's times I would miss birthdays or holidays or stuff like that. But I would always make those days special when I got home. And um yeah, it was a, it was a very, very challenging time because also at the time you got to keep in mind, I wasn't getting paid any money to wrestle or anything like that either. So, and I didn't have much money to begin with at that point and never mind a baby too, but thank God uh, for my parents helping me out with, you know, you know, giving me a place to live and, you know, and her parents helping out and just uh, made it all work, you know? Well, certainly no one can say that you didn't work hard for your spot. <laughs> that, 
didn't work hard to earn where you're at in Ring of Honor. That's that's for darn sure. Um, and it really is, I guess, a testament to to your desire to want to make it uh, in Ring of Honor that you that you persevered through that. Because I mean, geez, with all those things going on, you know, I mean, just your 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 youth uh, to begin with, just being 17 and probably you know being the youngest guy in training, uh, you know, would have been enough. Like you mentioned, that first day of what you know, just the tryout of how, you know, physically demanding it was, uh, but to stick with it and to do it uh, with your life circumstances going on. Uh, well, let me ask you that. I mean, just thinking about that, knowing how hard you worked and how you had, you know, once you got in too, I know that, you know, you wrestled dark matches for what, probably like two years, right? Before you yeah. really got established. And, I, and I'm guessing too, you're probably doing things like ring crew, um, you know, whatever the quote unquote young boys in the business, which, you know, what they call them in New Japan, what have to do. It's, it's certainly not glamorous by any stretch of, of, of the imagination. As somebody who, you know, once you finally made it uh, after all that, you know, certainly paying your dues is, uh, is an understatement. When you saw people come in that had, and I'm not necessarily talking about Ring of Honor, I'm talking about wrestling in general. When you see people who have a much easier path did you look at that and go, man, they, they, they haven't paid their dues. Like what's wrong with this system? Or were you like, you know what? I'm glad that I worked hard to get this spot because I know that, uh, you know, what's the old saying? Like anything that's worth having is worth working hard for. I mean, was it more rewarding? I guess there's sort of two parts to that question. Um, I mean, it was definitely, uh, definitely rewarding, you know, getting the spot and that sort of thing, but I would never hold it against somebody else that may have gotten into wrestling an easier way or from, you know, like uh, just somebody off the top of my head, like Moose, right? Uh, Moose came into Ring of Honor and he had an NFL background and, you know, he didn't really have to pay a whole lot of dues, you know, because he was a natural athlete and that sort of thing. But, you know, just because he didn't pay dues in the wrestling business doesn't mean he didn't pay dues somewhere else in his life. I'm sure it wasn't easy getting into NFL. So I never judge people by where they came from or things they did in the past or how easy of a route they've had, you know, cause everybody has a different story and this is just my story. Um, just cause I had to work a little harder than anybody else. Um, it just gave, gave me more character, <laughs> you know, that's, that's uh that's just the way I looked at it you know I wouldn't I wouldn't change my route for wrestling anyway because it just makes me appreciate it a lot more for sure absolutely um I'm going to ask you about obviously we have to get to Kenny King and 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 the all-night express you know when we had Kenny on here some months back he told me the story of how you guys were kind of thrown together as a tag team (laughs) wasn't exactly uh chemistry right off the bat uh can you tell the story from from your perspective of uh when you found out you were in a team with kenny king but even maybe before that when uh maybe your first impressions of kenny king yeah uh i remember uh my first time meeting kenny king uh it was at chicago ridge uh and it was uh uh it was the man up pay-per-view the man up pay-per-view um this was ring of honor's second time doing pay-per-view um so um and it just so happened to be my birthday as well so here it is my birthday i'm in a dark match it's like uh 
me and Ernie Osiris versus Bobby Dempsey and Silas Young. And I'm sitting there doing push-ups, getting a pump before my match. And uh, Gabe Sapolsky, who was the booker at the time, was looking looking at me doing these push-ups. And he's like, yeah, this guy's a, he's a machine, you know? Like, look at this guy. And I'm, I'm like, and this is like, I'm like, oh, I can't stop doing these push-ups now. I got to keep going, you know? Like, I'm just getting after the push-ups. And, like, Kenny walks up, and he sees Gabe looking at me in amazement of these push-ups or whatever. <laughs> and Kenny's like, Gabe, I don't even got to do push-ups before I go out there. And Gabe was like, oh, yeah, look at this schlep over here doing push-ups. <laughs> and just, like, blew me off. And I was like, I was like, damn, like, what? Like, I'm a birthday? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, l- later on, Kenny was uh, making his – one of his big uh, debuts, you know, um, for Ring of Honor, YRR versus um, Brent Albright and BJ Whitmer. And they're putting the steam on Kenny's partner, and Kenny finally gets the hot tag. And I'm doing uh, ringside security at this point, so I got the I got the closest seat in the house, you know. I'm sitting right there at ringside doing security, making sure everything's taken care of. And Kenny goes up for a springboard, and he just – eats it and I, I i might as well have jumped out of my seat and started chanting along with the fans like you messed up you messed up you know so oh man i i was so happy and then probably about a year later uh you know i i, I kind of always just like kind of didn't mess around with him from that point on just because i didn't like his attitude you know and from that point uh, about a year later uh, Adam Pierce, who had taken over booking, was like, "Hey, I'm gonna put you and Kenny King together as a tag team." And I was like, "What? Like, I thought I was doing good on my own. I don't really know about being in a tag team." He's like, oh, "Well, you know, we're gonna try it out and see how it goes." And you know, I didn't want to be his partner. He didn't want to be my partner, and we were just kind of like looking at each other, like, "Ugh," you know. And then, like, I was like, "Well, you know, uh, this is what I'm." being given i gotta make it work you know what i've always tried to pride myself on throughout my whole entire career is trying to take whatever i'm given and make it work and then me and kenny uh I'll never forget like we had some six-man tags and it was just like ah. and then we had like a regular tag match against the british lions in florida and to the at the beginning of 2009 and then after the match, we like looked at each other like, okay, there's uh, there's something here, <laughs> there's something here. And then at that point, Ring of Honor like uh, went on HGNet shortly after that, and uh, we were off to the races. So the chemistry obviously uh, developed, which um, yeah, it's great, and it was certainly obvious once uh, once we saw you guys in the ring together. Uh, you guys were the All Night Express, one of the one of the great tag teams in uh, in Ring of Honor history, and really had a great time for tag team wrestling, because I mean you were working against guys like the Briscoes, uh, Young Bucks, Kings of Wrestling, Colin O'Reilly, Steen and Generico. I mean uh, American Wolves. I'm probably leaving somebody out here. Uh, yeah, you, guys, you had the great ladder war against uh, the Briscoes. And you eventually win the tag team championships from 
uh, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. What did it mean to you at that point to, because we've already talked about how you got into this business basically from the bottom, worked your way up. Now you're the tag team champions of the world with, uh, with Kenny King. What, what did it mean to you to actually be a champion? Man, like, it was like, man, all this hard work, all, all these nights of driving and, you know, going to work with no sleep and trying to take care of this baby with no sleep and all this stuff, uh, it, it's all vindicated, you know, it all finally paid off, you know, it's all worth it. You know, now I'm, I'm at the top of the company that I wanted to work for as a kid, you know, this is, it, it was everything you can imagine, you know, like it was in the, at the Hammerstein ballroom, nonetheless, you know, and I was, man, I, take it back to that day. Like, Oh, it was such a, such a happy time. You know, we had champagne and, Oh, it was it was a great day, and uh, that feeling didn't last long, though. Well, and that's a great segue because that was going to obviously we're going to follow it up with uh, how short lived uh, it ended up being, but we'll talk about that after we take another break first. So back with more with Rhett Titus and the Kenny King saga and what happened in the next chapter uh, of the All Night Express. We're back right after this. I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top 5. Join me every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on social media and youtube.com slash ringofhonor for Week by Week. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Brett Titus. And uh, before we went to the last break, we, we hinted at uh, the tag team championship win was, uh, was great. As you said, the champagne was uh, the bottles. Champagne bottles were popping. Uh, was, you had finally reached this goal. But the titles were stripped from you shortly thereafter because Kenny King left Ring of Honor. So let me ask you, first of all, were you aware the night that you won the titles, were you aware that Kenny may be on his way out? Were you aware of his contract situation? Was, it, was there any tension that this could be short-lived or any, any uh, indication? Um, so I knew Kenny's contract was up actually the day of, uh, the, day of um, the show. And I was like, oh, man, like, what's going to happen? Like, you know, and it just never got brought up, you know, and I was just like, oh, uh, okay. And we went out there and we won the belts and, you know, that was that. And uh, then I remember the day that he got, um, that he showed up on Impact, I got a call from one of the Ring of Honor producers. Hey, uh, you know where your partner is right now? And I was like, no, he's, he's at Impact. He's wrestling tonight on the show. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I was like, oh, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know, like, you, you just, you don't, you don't know what to think. You're like, all right, you know. Um, I guess there was a connection there between Kenny and Al Snow because, you know, Kenny uh, trained under Al Snow with Tough Enough and that sort of thing. And Al Snow was one of the uh, agents and, at the time so um 
and when his deal got up, he he got it. He got a chance, and he just he decided to take it. And um, you know, it's very hard at the time to not think selfishly and be like, "What? What about me?" You know, like a lot of people would start to think like that. You know, um, but I wasn't that type. I was like all right, well, uh, you know, good for Kenny, <laughs> you know, uh, that's, that's really good for Kenny. Uh, oh, what's, uh, what's going on here though? Uh, you know, and then that night I seen, you know, Kenny King, Red Titus stripped of the Ring of Honor tag team titles. And I was just like, well, what did I do? <laughs> you know, like, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just, you know, uh, sitting here, you know? Right. You can't like, hey, can I pick another partner? I mean, yeah, like, so, and uh, I feel like uh, it was like guilty by association, you, you know, like, I was like, I kind of just got lumped in with him, you know, and, you know, then, uh, you know, uh, Benjamin was in Japan, so Jim Cornette forced me and Charlie Haas to team together, and we actually went to the finals, but, uh, you know, we didn't have the chemistry that me and Kenny obviously did. And he turned on me in the in the match. And Shelton hit me with the pay dirt. And we lost the match to Jimmy Jacobs and Steve Carino. And uh, that was the, the end of uh, the little tag team title run. And Kenny was gone. And once again, I was back at uh, square one trying to think of where the hell am I going to go next. So, so, so the way you tell the story, though, uh, so there was no phone call from Kenny to you to say, Hey, this is what's happening. This, this is what I'm going to do. Well, I, I, I talked to him about it a little bit later on, like later on. Cause like, obviously I called him right afterwards and he's like, yeah, well, you know, we're going to see what's going on here. You know, I'm not, he, he wasn't, he didn't plan on leaving ring of honor like that. You know, um, he kind of got fired right after that. And I don't think he was really expecting that. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a time of uncertainty for sure, you know, but I didn't, I, like I said, I didn't want to, uh, you know, stop him from doing something that he wanted to do, you know, if, if that, Hey, if that's what you want to do, you, you gotta go do that. You gotta do what's best for you. Okay. But you know, this is where I want to be. It's where I always want to be. So, you know, I'm going to be here. Well, I think you handled it probably better than a lot of people would have, um, uh, in those circumstances, you know, I think you, you, uh, you framed it the right way as in, Hey man, what did I do here? <laughs> Why am I dropping the tag? I'm not, I wasn't on impact. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You really were caught up in a bad situation of, you know, victim of circumstance, whatever uh, cliche you want to put on it. And uh, it was a big change in your career at that point. I mean, you, it wasn't like you just immediately adapted and, and, and picked up. I mean, not that it was, you know, obviously in this business, a lot of it is, um, you know, what plans there are for you and what situations you're put in storyline wise. Uh, you were kind of in no man's land. I want to talk about another period in your career that I know you've acknowledged it. So I don't think we're, you know, pulling the curtain back or breaking kayfabe here, but uh, there's a time when Rhett Titus sort of disappears for a little bit. I guess he was still around some. And then a guy under a mask showed up with a rose and, and called himself the romantic touch. Uh, what was that period like for you? Um, 
so Red Titus got kicked out of Ring of Honor, and uh, the romantic touch suddenly emerges under a mask. And um, you know, like like I said, I I like a lot of different flavors of ice cream. You know, I like the pure wrestling, I like the technical wrestling, but um, even as a kid, like I said before, I've always been drawn to characters as well. You know, and um, not everybody can wrestle as a character and uh, the romantic touch was certainly a character <laughs> to say the least um, but it was something different to do you know um, it was it was another challenge and it was something that was put in front of me and I was like hey you know I'm gonna try to make this work to the best of my ability you know I'm happy to still be here I'm happy to still have a job after everything that's happened because you gotta understand when when you're in a tag team you know you don't think about, oh, you know, at least I don't. Oh, all right, what's uh, what's good for Red Titus? You know, all all your passion and all your thoughts are all put into this tag team. So it's like, all right, what's best for the All Night Express? What's best for Red Titus and Kenny King? You know, so th- that's where all your your thoughts are at, and then all of a sudden your partner's gone, and there's all those thoughts that everything you've been thinking up and all this stuff, it's, it's all gone, <laughs> you know, like now you got to really start at square one. And, and uh, the romantic touch was uh, a fun little, fun little time for me. You know, it was, it got to be frustrating at points because uh, I felt like um, I could be doing a lot more, but like I said, at the end of the day, I was just happy to, um, you know, be here and I was happy to entertain people and put smile on people's faces and have a uh, distinct character that um, people would be excited to see. Let me ask just from a, um, like a very literal standpoint of wrestling under a mask, was that something that you had ever done before? Was there like an adjustment period to, I mean, was it like uh I don't know, I've never wrestled under a mask. Do you have like uh, less peripheral vision or, I mean, is, it, is there an adjustment just being in the ring with the mask on? Yes. There's a big adjustment period. Um, the, uh, the only time I'd ever wrestled in a mask prior to that was uh, at Supercard of Honor in 2006. I was masked hardcore superstar number two against Samoa Joe and Adam Pierce. But uh, other than that, I never wore a mask before. And, um, it was a, uh, definitely a learning experience, but I would, I got the mask, I'd bring it to training and I would train in it the whole time. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, you don't feel as comfortable in the ring under a mask as you do as yourself, you know, because sometimes your mask moving this way and you got to adjust that. And, you know, the peripheral vision definitely gets messed up. Um, and it was a lot of uh, a lot of getting used to. Uh, now I train in a mask as well, but uh, it's a different mask that I'm training in, one to cover my mouth and nose. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it definitely took some time to get used to. And um, it was uh, it was kind of cool, though, because, you know, the thing about it is like under a mask, you know, nobody really uh, knows who you are, <laughs> you know, so you don't have to, you know, really like worry about like being out and about at the show because hey i got this mask so nobody even knows it's me and in the record books i mean let's be honest the romantic touch did not have the greatest one loss record so (laughs) no he did not that wasn't 
that wasn't Rhett Titus. That was the romantic touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rhett Titus record a little bit better than his. So uh, <laughs> let's not lump them together. Let's let's uh, fast forward a little bit to Kenny King returns to Ring of Honor. Uh, it was an All Star Extravaganza in 2015, and this was a really cool moment because um, no one knew about it. Right? This was a complete surprise. When did you know about it? Um. I found out so the whole time though, like me and Kenny remained friends while he was with TNA and um, you know, he was really unhappy there. You know, they had done a whole bunch of stuff with him on TV and this cage match and it all got scrapped when some, I think maybe Hernandez left the company or something like that. And it all got scrapped and thrown out the window. And they're like, oh, we don't really know what we're doing with you, you know. We're just going to go by, you know, per show deal or whatever. So he wasn't under contract anymore. And he was like, hey, you know, is there any chance, you know, um, you think I get back get back there? And I was like, hey, I'll, uh, you know, I'll shoot it up the ladder and uh, we'll see what happens, you know. And uh it got received very well. And, um, you know, you think there would be some, uh, you know, ill will or something like that along the lines of basically of how um, Kenny left, but, you know, he was welcomed back with open arms. And uh, I found out probably about a month before the show that it was actually going to go down because the original thought was to bring Kenny under uh, a mask as the kind caress but but uh you know we kind of put that idea to the side and was like hey let, let's let's come back as the all night express and when we came back against the Brisk briscoes live on pay-per-view um man like i would say we were we were after not teaming for years we were better than we had ever been you know everything felt great that night and it uh it was a uh, amazing, amazing moment. Yeah, and I was happy. I was happy that the fans remembered us too because we were kind of at the, t- the at the beginning of Sinclair. So I feel like there's two different generation of fans with Ring of Honor, you know, pre Sinclair and post Sinclair, and some of them are you know been around for the whole thing. But um, I was happy that the fans uh, remembered us, and you know, we got a nice little pop in San Antonio. Yeah, like I said, it was, it was a really good moment. You definitely got a good pop. And then you come in and uh, first night back, reunited, beat the Briscoes. So it doesn't – you can't start any higher than that, right, to beat the Briscoes. And then uh, I did some research on this. The next night there were TV tapings, and uh, you beat Rapungi Vice, uh, Beretta and, and uh, Rocky Romero. Um, and I know there was – after that, you guys did a three-way with uh, Rapungi and the Young Bucks, and you guys won that. So you were certainly winning your share of matches. Uh, but you never got back to the, to the tag team titles. Uh, do you know why? I mean, and eventually the team was broken up. Was it your decision and Kenny's decision to break up the team? Was it more of a booking decision? Uh, and why do you think things didn't – you know, you didn't, you didn't get back to the tag team titles. Why did things not get to those heights the second time around? Um, I mean, the thing about it at the time, like I said, there's kind of two generations of fans, you know, some fans remembered us and, you know, some fans are like, Oh, who, who's this tag team? You know? So it was kind of starting from scratch all the way from the beginning. And 
at that time, there was a lot of tag teams in Ring of Honor. You had the Young Bucks, you had the Addiction, you had Rapungi Vice, you had War Machine, um, you had the Kingdom, you know, and these are guys that have been established now for a few years, you know, while we were gone. And, and you still had the Briscoes and, you know, it just, the, the tag team rankings were just crazy at the time, you know. But, like, you know, we, we were getting our fair share of wins and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, somewhere around that time, you know, Kenny uh, was on The Bachelor. And, uh, you know, Kenny was, you know, had to do what's best for Kenny. And what's best for Kenny is, oh, being a singles wrestler now. So, hey, you know, uh, we're not really uh, going to be able to do this tag team thing, you know. So, you know, we're probably going to be breaking up within the next few months. And, uh you know, I got to do this single thing while I can, while I'm hot off The Bachelor and, you know, get that going. And I was like, oh, uh, okay, you know, uh, cool. Thanks for the heads up, man. <laughs> you know, I only helped you get back in here, you know. Uh, but, yeah, thanks, man. Do what's best for Kenny. And, you know, once again, like, my mind was thinking as a tag team, hey, you know, what's best for Rhett? What's best for Rhett and Kenny? What's best for the All Night Express? And you, you thought I would have learned my lesson the first time, but uh, <laughs> fool, you, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, and when you mentioned the addiction there, I actually misspoke earlier. It was the addiction, uh, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. That's the team you beat the next night. So you beat the Briscoes at All-Star Extravaganza. You beat the addiction the next night. You did later on beat Rapungi and then uh, beat Rapungi and Young Bucks in a uh, – in a, in a triple threat. So yeah, yeah certainly you, you guys, you know, won your share of matches, but yeah, I mean, war machine was around at the time too. I mean, like you said, there was a, there were a lot of tag teams um, in the division at that point. I mean, obviously great tag team wrestling been a, a long time staple of, of ring of honor. And uh, look, you and Kenny certainly were uh, at the center of a lot of it. Uh, you and Kenny though, were in a, a, you know, another group together. Uh, you started off as the cabinet, with Caprice Coleman, uh, later became the Rebellion. Uh, Shane Taylor came aboard. Uh, this was a chance for you, at least with the Rebellion, to get back to a little more, certainly more serious things. You, you were doing a little bit of the ha-ha again with, uh, with the cabinet. It wasn't something really to be taken seriously. The Rebellion was, though. Uh, what, what are your memories of, of, of those two factions? Um, I mean people can say what they want about the cabinet or the rebellion. And, but a lot of those things that we were saying then are some of the things that, you know, the foundation is saying now, you know, like the cabinet wanted to make wrestling great again, you know, which, which, you know, cause at that time, you know, the young bucks are running around super kicking everybody and, you know, running around rampant, no tags this, no tags that. And, you know, we just wanted to, you know, put the rules back into wrestling. But, you know, we were kind of outnumbered at that time, you know, by all these other tag teams, you know, wrestling the same sort of way. And then, um, you know, the rebellion was kind of, you know, was like the code of honor. This is all a sham because none of these guys are even following this. You know, why are we going to sit here and shake hands for guys that aren't going to follow by the rules? So we started kneeling for the code of honor. And that definitely uh, turned a lot of heads. You know, when we started doing that, people were like, Oh, uh, you know, maybe these guys got a point here, but you know, uh, it, 
was a few years a uh, few years too early maybe you know we didn't really have the strength in numbers uh, that the foundation now has um, so uh, it didn't really get going and before we could really get moving with the rebellion uh, we lost a match coincidentally I lost to Jonathan Gresham where the rebellion had to break up right you guys lost to search and destroy which was uh it was Gresham and the and the Motor City Machine Guns and um, yeah, so you had to disband and now you're kind of uh, starting over again. But, I, you know, I give you a lot of credit because you're very versatile. And I think your versatility has shown in, uh, in your ability to constantly reinvent yourself. And, and now you go from, uh, from the rebellion to uh, teaming with Will, Will Ferrara, Little Willie. Little Willie. Little Willie. And we get the big dogs. And, and once again, you're in a, uh, a role where, you know, the big dogs aren't going to be in the main event slot, but they have an important function on the card. And they're going to come out and they're going to entertain the fans, much less, um, or I should say, much in the same vein as, uh, as the romantic touch back in the day. It's, it's, uh, it's a certain slot on the card, and, and somebody has to fill that slot. And you guys did it, and you were entertaining, and it worked. Um, do you miss teaming with Little Willie? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I, I really enjoyed the team with Little Willie, uh, you know, because prior to uh, teaming up, you know, uh, I'll never forget Grizzly Redwood's last show was Will Ferrara's first show. So, um, and, like, it was kind of just like, oh, man, this little guy is gone. Well, hey, here's this little guy over here. Come on, hop, hop, up. hop on over here, Little Willie. And, uh, and um, you know, so we were friends before we were teaming, and he was even in my wedding beforehand. And then uh, it was funny because uh, this promoter had uh, – because we had started doing, like, these videos online just, you know, because, you know, it was that time – things were getting popular online and, you know, tweeting videos and stuff. So I would do all these like videos, me and little Willie and me making fun of Willie and just, just for fun and giggles, you know? And, um, this promoter was like, Hey, I want to bring a big dog and little Willie in. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) this sounds amazing. (laughs) And, uh, we were there and, uh, Carrie Silkin just happened to be at that show and Carrie was like this this is what needs to be on Ring of Honor like you know this is exactly what Ring of Honor needs an entertaining tag team like you guys and uh shortly after that you know the the dogs uh made their debut on Ring of Honor TV and uh you know I had a lot of fun with the dogs because it was uh trying to reinvent the wheel you know it was something that it was a tag team that was not really done like that before, you know, I was trying to come up with new ways to do different things and uh, just be different than what people were used to uh, seeing in a tag team. Cause most tag teams are a cohesive unit. Like me and Kenny, we were a cohesive unit, like big dog and little Willie, like, uh, you know, we we're fighting, you know, and uh, you know, messing around with each other more so me messing around with him, but uh, <laughs> me using him as a weapon and uh, you know, it was a different different type of tag team, which I enjoyed very much because it kept you on your toes and made you think outside of the box. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And that's as a fan watching it, um, there were spots, like you said, that you've never seen before, but they were entertaining. 
with uh, Willie trying to hit you, but you know, you use him and, and he's the weapon and you're throwing him at the opponents and he gets hot and comes after you, but then that works to your favor. Yeah, it was all, it was all fun stuff. Um, after that, you, you have a, uh, you and little Willie break up and you have, uh, you reinvent yourself again. And this time, uh, you know, you're, you're built like a Greek God and, uh, and the flex express is born. It was funny because the flex express was kind of just born out of luck. You know, um, we were doing the survival of the fittest show and I, I wasn't booked to wrestle, but I was booked on commentary. And I was like, ah, survival of the fittest. You know, I, I should be out there wrestling on survival of the fittest. You know, I'm the fittest guy here. What the hell? And uh, I'm sitting there and uh, I'm watching the show at Gorilla and uh, thinking about commentary. I'm like, well, what am, what am I going to do out there? And I'm like, uh, and Mark Briscoe sitting next to me. I go to him. I was like, hey, Mark, what, what would you think? Uh, if I just decided to go out and do commentary and think that this was a uh, bodybuilding competition, this survival of the fittest. <laughs> and he was like, I would think you were stupid if you didn't do it. And I was like, all right, all right. So I uh, got down into a little speedo, got all oiled up and just went out there and started flexing. And, you know, poor Ian and Colt, they had no idea this was coming. That's know? what I was going to ask, is were they prepared for you to come out in that Speedo? No, they were not. So, uh, <laughs> they and uh, everybody really seemed to like it. Everybody seemed to enjoy it. And then next thing you know, uh, I, don't, I don't think I wrestled again for the rest of the year. I think I was just doing commentary for the rest of the year in, uh, in a Speedo. And, uh <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, shortly after that, the Flex Express was born, and um, I'd be uh, outside at the uh, buildings when the fans were showing up, and I would be out there in my Speedo flexing with the fans and getting them all hyped for the show. And, you know, it was a uh, another interesting thing to, uh, to try to keep myself out there. Absolutely, and something else that was that I found highly entertaining, and I think uh, – you know, I just wish it would have lasted long enough that we could have put together a video of you on the, well, you weren't actually on a, on a bus, right? You were in more well, like, a, go ahead. Well, uh, I was a minivan with the Flex Express written in a piece of paper on, on the long exactly. side of it. Right. <laughs> but not quite the big, the big bus that, uh, the tour bus that Lex Luger was on. But I think it would have been great if we had done a parody video of you in the minivan and, and this really cheesy you know, you're my hero or whatever. That yeah, song was. That, that song was some cheese. Oh, we could have had some fun with that. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> or if we could have gotten Lex to come at a show would have even been, been even better. Yeah, right. Oof. Have you guys interact. Yeah, Lex Luger. Yeah, hell of a body on that guy. Yeah, well, hey, he's, he's, he's no Rhett Titus. Yeah, you can say that again now, Kevin. <laughs> All right, well, let's, uh, let's get to the, um, and we'll hit 10 questions after this, but so after the Flex Express, you know, once again, uh, there's a change, and we see uh, a more serious tone from, from you again. As you know, you alluded to it earlier, Kenny uh, basically addressed you down in front of your wife, who was pregnant at the time. Um, and we got to see another, another serious side of, of Rhett. And now you're working with Kenny as your opponent 
was that the first time that you guys had actually, I mean, you've been in the ring, God, hundreds of times as partners. Was that the first time as opponents? Yeah, first time we ever wrestled each other was uh, Final Battle 2019. We never had wrestled each other previously to that. So that was a different uh, different way to be in the ring with Kenny. But, um, you know, you know, having a, another kid and um, 15 years later after, you know, uh, my first one was kind of like an eye-opening experience. And, you know, what Kenny said that day, he – you know, even though he went about it in a way that I didn't appreciate, it put a lot of things into perspective. And it kind of brought me back to that 17-year-old kid, you know, getting into wrestling and, you know, having to work hard to to make it all work and, you know, just trying to treat every match like my first match and treat every match like it can be my last match, you know. So it made me feel that hunger again. It made me feel that passion again. It made me feel like – uh it was my rookie season again. And it made me really think about why I got into wrestling in the first place. You know, I, you know, granted, you know, I want to make people laugh and put a smile on people's faces, but I didn't come into wrestling to be laughed at. I came into wrestling to inspire people. I came into wrestling to make people go, wow, this is what I want to do with my life. Or like, wow, I, I want to be like Rhett Titus because, look at how hard this guy works. Look at the shape that this guy's in. Like, look at this guy. He just doesn't take no for an answer. You know, he's not, <laughs> not taking no for an answer by any leaps and bounds. You know, there's nothing that's going to hold this guy back. And, you know, when you start thinking about all these things in your head, you, you know, some things don't, aren't as important, you know, and, you know, getting all oiled up and flexing around and trying to be a bodybuilder isn't really, you know, uh, isn't the dream that I was chasing, you know, it made you realize what brought you to the dance to begin with. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'll give you, again, I'll give you the compliment though. I think whatever, uh, hand you were dealt that, uh, you made the best of it, you know, and I think this was another opportunity where, you know, people weren't necessarily seeing Rhett Titus in a serious light. And then uh, the, the switch was turned and all of a sudden you have to, you know, there was a big character shift. And, uh, and once again, I think, you know, you, now you're, you're sort of this family man fighting for his family and an underdog fighting against Kenny, your former partner. And, and I think it all, you know, you made it work. And um, you know, that's why I, it, it's, it's really gratifying just to see you now where you're at with such a good spot with the foundation and it's like all those years of ups and downs. I mean, I think this is, you're definitely on the upswing with this one. Yeah. This is like, this is my resurgence, you know, um, you don't get opportunities like this very often, you know, uh, they, it's, uh, it's time to make a break it, you know, um, I'm putting every ounce of, uh, <laughs> every ounce of my body that I have into this foundation and just like I've done everything with in the past, and um, I'm guaranteed that this will work out. All right, and uh, I'm sure I, you know I have I have strong feeling that I, I think I think we're onto something special here uh, with the foundation. And uh, as a reminder, once again at Final Battle, you will make history with the first ever Pure Rules Tag Team Match: you and Tracy Williams against Fred Yehi. 
and Wheeler, Utah. So that is definitely something I think we can look forward to. And you know something else we can look forward to, Rhett? Ten questions. Oh, Bobby Cruz, you better get your pipes ready. <laughs> All right, we'll take our final break, and we'll play ten questions with Rhett Titus right after this. Experience the show that's thrilling critics and fans. ROH TV. The reviews are in. It's completely different than anything in pro wrestling. I enjoyed every minute of this show. ROH TV delivers. Valiant Saint Raves. Take my money. This was awesome. Join the ROH stars for the hashtag watch ROH watch party every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Rhett Titus, and it is time to play a little game we call 10 Questions. Rhett, are you ready? I was born ready, Kevin. Let's go. And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. What is something that's on your bucket list? Um, I would have to say uh, going to uh, going to the Grand Canyon. Um, that's something that's like on my wife's bucket list. You know, uh, she always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon, and you know, just with traveling all over the place and you know uh, being busy all the time, it's. Um, isn't really in the cards but now that things have kind of slowed down but now the traveling thing is kind of like uh, do you really want to travel you know so hopefully sometime in the near future um we can get a nice uh, family trip out there to the grand canyon and i can check that off my wife's bucket list so, well, so I, I was gonna say it's a good answer on your part because you know <laughs> happy wife happy life and all that stuff so if it's on yeah. your list damn right it's on your bucket list yeah, and uh, you, you know she'll be listening to it, and so I got to put her over somehow, right? <laughs> All right, question number two. If you could have a conversation with anyone, living or dead, who would it be? Oof. Uh, man, uh, that's an interesting one because, man, a stumper you know uh so I've been, I, I knew you're gonna ask me this and i've been thinking about it for weeks and i just i can't come up with an answer in my head uh but maybe uh maybe some like one of the legends of past like maybe like andre the giant you know because he, he saw so many things he went to so many places and drank so many beers and so much wine and he, he definitely lived a good life you know so i'd probably uh like to chat it up with him and just see what it was like uh, being a giant, you know, in, in all the different territories and traveling like that. You know, he uh, he must have led a good life. Yeah, that that's not a bad answer for sure. Andre the Giant with uh, man, the stories. If you could just sit down and pick Andre's brain and listen to all the experiences that he's had, like you said, not only in wrestling but just in his life, being being a, a giant, and you know that's world the the it's not made for a giant this world no. it's nothing simple for him getting on a plane or getting in a car just uh yeah and drinking drinking lots and lots and lots of <laughs> wine. 
yeah yeah that's the urban legends uh you know just <laughs> trying to find out how much truth there is to these things yeah right like you heard so many stories about like the, what 14 bottles of wine before wrestlemania 3 is that is that really true andre right. did you really drink 118 beers at once <laughs> yeah <laughs> these are the questions we need to know we need to know these answers okay uh question number three since you are in such phenomenal shape uh, and you mentioned, you know, you have to have a, a strict diet, but hey, we all need to cheat a little bit every once in a while. So what's your favorite cheat food? Um, now, to be honest, Kevin, never I, uh, cheat. <laughs> I don't want to say never. I, I, I don't really like cheating, though, because it, it really uh, it's when you're so strict and you're so regimented that uh something like a cheat meal and some people even do cheat days i couldn't imagine a whole day of just cheating on your diet you know um it um it set it 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 sends you down a road you don't like going down you know because you 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 don't want to go back to your regular food after that you know you're like oh man you know so if i do have a cheat meal it's, it's usually the last meal of the day so i get all my regular meals out of the way but when i do like to cheat I like to have cauliflower crust pizza. And um, what I do is uh, I have the cauliflower crust and um, I'll take some like Alfredo sauce and then I'll put some spinach and some um, some cottage cheese and uh, my veggie, uh, veg- vegetarian chicken right on top and uh, throw it in the oven. It comes out amazing. This is... Uh... This is not even cheap. To me, this would be like the best meal of the month. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's the life I live, you know. Right, come on, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta live a little. Yeah, uh, I mean that's living for me, you know. The cauliflower crust pizza. I... All right, well, you know the proof, the, the proof is in the in the results, you know. That's why you look like you do, and uh, you know I don't take my shirt off anymore. So that's. The- the proof is in the protein pudding. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. All right. You won't see me in a Speedo uh, joining Ian and, and uh, Caprice on commentary anytime. <laughs> All right. Question number four. What scares you? Bananas. I've heard that about you. Yeah. Yeah. And please, people, please don't think it's a joke. Please. For the love of God. Um terribly afraid of bananas uh experience with a banana or something right um you know my mom tried feeding me banana baby food as a as a kid and um she said i spit it out and i wouldn't eat it and ever since that point she could never get me to eat bananas and i always hated bananas and when kids found out about it in school they would this was popular. This is probably showing my age now, but this was back when uh, when they had uh, bananas in pajamas. So all the kids would sing bananas in pajamas and sing <laughs> that at me. And oh man, it was it was awful, you know. But don't like the look of them, don't like the feel of them, don't like the smell of them. Oh gosh, man, I don't like when people eat bananas around me. Uh, no thanks. Not not gonna be around for that. Does that include banana flavored, you know, like yogurt or things like that? Like, just... nope, not nope. not not touching none of it. All right, 
Well, there's actually something that you're afraid of that I, that I'm not. <laughs> That's a win for me. All right, number five, and I may know the answer to this already since we uh, we actually talked about it sort of off the air. Uh, are you a dog person, a cat person, both or neither? Um, so I never really had any pets growing up aside of like uh, a turtle, you know, that um, uh, that when I went away for summer camp one year and I came back, my turtle was gone. Um, but yeah, I never really had any pets, but now I have a cat, you know, he's, his name is Dusty. Um, so I guess I'd be more of a cat person, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, being that I was known as the big dog, I guess you could say I'm a dog person too. So cat and dog person, but my, my cat, you know, every once in a while he, uh, he bites my toe while I'm sleeping. Like it'll be like sticking out from under the blanket or something. He'll come up and bite it. And, you know, uh, we have heat a lot of the time. So, you know, sometimes, uh, me and the cat don't really see eye to eye. So maybe I'm more of a dog person. Uh, yeah, let's go with dogs. Okay. Yeah, I can I can identify with the with the dog. I, I have. It's funny. My dog is named Dusty, uh, like your cat. But uh, <laughs> yeah, really, what a small world. What a Great. small world. But yeah, you know, I've just always found do- dogs have such wonderful personalities, and uh, cats not so much. You know, maybe your cat is the exception. I don't know. The nipping the toe thing, I wouldn't be wild about. But. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. All right. Well, question number six. I don't know how much of a music aficionado you are, but do you remember the first concert that you ever attended? Um, it's probably, uh, I went to a few concerts just for something to do, like some like local concerts, you know, like I didn't really, wasn't really feeling the music though, but like the first concert that like I ever like, um, I was like, hey, I gotta go to this concert. Was um, was uh, there's this uh, New York-based um, radio station, Hot 97. So every year they do Summer Jam at Giant Stadium. So I went to Summer Jam, and oh man, it was such a good time. They had like Little Wayne there, and like Rick Ross, and, and Birdman, and uh, French Montana, all the hot rappers at the time. So. Yeah, um, yeah, Summer Jam. Okay, so this, I, I, I can see now your, your love, this goes back to the PN News thing. This yeah, is- yeah, yeah, so even even as a kid, you know, yo baby, yo baby, yo. <laughs> All right, uh, question number seven. What is the last series that you binge watched, if you have binge watched anything? Oh, um... Last series, I binge watched. Um, oof, oof, oof. Uh, does uh, does 1982 Mid Atlantic count? If if you binge watch, watched a bunch of episodes at one time, then yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been uh, been watching a whole lot of Mid Atlantic lately. That's some good stuff right there. All right, so 1982. I'm thinking there was a lot of uh, what. Jack Briscoe, Roddy Jack, Piper. Oh, man, I love watching Jack, Jack and Gerald Briscoe. Roddy Piper, yeah, uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, Boris Zukov, but he's not Boris Zukov yet. Private, uh, Private Nelson. Yeah, Private Nelson. Um, uh, 
Buddy Landell with brown hair. Um, was Wahoo there in 82? Uh, I ha- haven't seen Wahoo pop up at all yet. Bob Orton. Uh, Dick Slater? Haven't, haven't, haven't seen Dick Slater pop up at all yet, but he'll probably be coming soon. Yeah, but, that was yeah. a great era for sure. Steamboat, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Steamboat, Flair's been popping up a lot. Uh, yeah, if, you, uh, if you're if you not familiar with Mid-Atlantic, it's on the WWE Network. But, um, yeah, that's that's some good stuff. Some good wrestling. No question about it. I remember just, you know, reading the after mags back in the day. Obviously, I grew up in a WWF city. Uh, so, I, you know, that was the main wrestling to me. But I could always tell, you know, just look at, looking at those mags, like Mid-Atlantic always had some of the some of the top guys. So it was, yeah. it was great whenever one of those guys would, you know, Greg Valentine or Jimmy Snuka, those guys would leave and do their little stint in New York, as they would say back in the day. <laughs> you'd already, you'd be like, oh man, Snuka's finally here. I, you know, it was, it was, yeah, Mid-Atlantic was certainly a hotbed. Yeah. And right now, uh, Blackjack Mulligan Jr. has been running wild through uh, Mid-Atlantic. Yes. Also known as Barry yeah. Wyndham. Oh, is that what happened to Blackjack Mulligan Jr.? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number eight. Who was your celebrity crush? I'm not going to ask you who your crush is now because you're a married man and I don't want to get you in any heat. But uh, So who, I, was, who was your crush growing up? Uh, I my, my wife knows about my celebrity crush. Okay. And she's okay with it, you know. But um, growing up, it was probably Kelly Kapowski. Um, but now, uh, my celebrity crush is Daisy Duck. Daisy, okay. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, <laughs> you know, me and my son, we we joke around. You know, he he goes after Minnie, I go after Daisy. You know, we're gonna run away and live happily ever after one day. It's a very safe answer. <laughs> You'd be surprised. My my wife is pretty threatened by Daisy Duck, to be honest. <laughs> At least it's a better Daisy Duck than uh, Daisy Duke, right? Yeah. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number nine. What's your biggest pet peeve? Ooh. Um, people saying I can't. Mm. I don't like hearing that. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. Well, did you ever try doing it? No. Well, how do you know you can't do it? <laughs> you know, it just uh, just drives me wild, you know? Uh, there's been a lot of things that I couldn't do. I couldn't wrestle when I first started wrestling, you know, but I eventually learned that. I couldn't, um, you know, weight lift properly when I first started doing that, but I eventually learned. So never say you, you can't do something like... Uh, I, I, I like to uh, delete that from my vocabulary, the word can't. Now, if it's something like, I can't hear you, <laughs> maybe it's it's fine then, but I can't do this, I can't do that. I don't like that. That's so, a big for example, like, I can't eat a banana. Like, you can't, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I could eat a banana but i'm not i'm not going to eat a banana okay good very good you could you just choose not to very yes good. okay question number 10 our final question uh since we are in the midst of the holiday season 
What is your favorite Christmas song? Uh, it's the holiday season, holiday season. Whoop de whoop, dickery duck, and don't forget to hang up your sock. Cause just exactly at twelve o'clock, he'll be coming down the chimney now. Classic. Uh, happy holidays. Yep, that's that's my favorite one. Okay. I, but I, I I love Christmas music so much. Uh, you know, it's always playing at my house, and um, they actually uh, this one time, me and Tim Hughes, we actually drove to Florida together, which is like a twenty. 20 hour 20 something hour trip and uh i listened to christmas music the whole entire time wouldn't let, let them listen to anything else and it wasn't even like i had a playlist of christmas music i would just go to each radio station as we were driving through and find a christmas that would be that, a radio station that'd be playing christmas songs and listen to that until i i didn't until it you know tuned out and then find the next station with christmas songs on it and the whole way there. Well, you're a man after my own heart. I also enjoy <laughs> the Christmas music. I have, I have two daughters who, uh, you know, they started the Christmas music. I think in, uh, God, you know, so I think they started playing it in the summer actually, but you know, really kind of heat it up in October. So, yeah, we're all about the Christmas music. But what's your favorite Christmas song? Uh, I, I'm a big Elvis guy, so I like Blue Christmas. Oh, okay, okay. And, and then now, and probably a close second is uh, is the Wham. Um, man, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the song. The Wham song. Last Merry, Christmas. Merry Christmas. No, Last oh, Christmas. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, Last Christmas. Right. I gave you my heart. Right. Yeah, my uh, my dad uh, used to play Christmas music like pretty much all year around on the record player. So I love the, the Bing Crosby stuff, the Nat King Cole stuff, the Frank Sinatra stuff, all that old stuff. I absolutely love Dean it. Dean Martin. Oh, yeah. This is all right up my alley. All right. Well, we, we definitely have that. You know, we don't have the banana thing. We don't share that. But <laughs> we definitely have the similar taste in Christmas music. Hey, maybe we can uh, go Christmas caroling together. Hey, I'm up for it. You know, let's, let's, get, our, let's get our masks and <laughs> yeah. we stand six feet apart and let's do it. Six feet from the doorway and uh, doorway. go knocking. Can't open the door. Just make sure they're behind the, the glass. Yeah, damn, that, that just dawned on me. We're not going to see any Christmas carolers this year. No, no, that's uh, maybe next year. Let's yeah. hope. Fingers crossed. Let's fingers are crossed for next year. All right. Well, Rhett, before we uh, wrap up, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rhett Titus A N X. That's R H E T T. T-I-T-U-S-A-N-X. And you can also find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Titus. You can also find me on TikTok at Titus, And uh, you can find me on Pro Wrestling Tees, prowrestlingtees.com slash A-N-X. And you can also find me at rohwrestling.com um, t-shirts there as well. So um, under Rhett Titus. So look for me at those spots at youtube.com slash Rhett Titus as well. I think I got the whole social media platform there, huh? Yeah, you are the, man, you're the king of all media. Always like catching up with you. 
and uh, very excited for where things are going with the foundation. And uh, man, can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, thank you for having me, Kevin. And uh, I'm uh, be very much tuned into the next episode of this podcast as well. And until then, uh, hey, let's remain ROH strong. Friday, December 18th at 9 p.m., Ring of Honor Wrestling presents Final Battle on Pay-Per-View. After months of darkness, a new era of honor has risen from the ashes. See ROH athletes such as the new pure champion Jonathan Gresham, the Briscoe Brothers, plus Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and many more. Find out why honor has always been real. Friday, December 18th at 9 p.m., it's Final Battle on Pay-Per-View.